0: Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Fierce. Pickery shit. No! This is why I say such a young guy, baby! Crazy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. How's everyone doing? First off, I just want to say that yesterday, my sister and I threw a hell of a retirement party for my mother. So congratulations to my mom for on retiring. She was a dental hygienist for over 40 years. Can you imagine looking at teeth, like going inside of people's mouths for like 40 plus years. She's probably seen some crazy crazy shit. But congratulations to my mother and thank you to everyone who came out yesterday. It was really really cool. She had a lot of family, had a lot of f- friends there as well, so thank you so much for coming. All right. Boston Celtics podcast. Here we go. It's episode 23. Whew. What a week for the Celtics. Uh, an up-and-down week, to say the very least. We are going to recap the last three games for the Celtics. We will preview the next four games for the Celtics. And I have a crazy connection of the stud and dud of the week and the Banner Banter podcast. It's going to It blew my mind. I hope it blows yours, too. But currently, the Boston Celtics, fifth place in the Eastern Conference. They are four-and-a-half games behind the Milwaukee Bucks for the number one seed, three games behind the Pacers for third, two games behind the 76ers for the fourth seed. And then thanks to the Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings, they the two of those teams have combined to lose their last nine straight games. So right now the Celtics currently have the 10th, 13th, 22nd, and 23rd pick in the upcoming NBA draft. So that is the current state of the Boston Celtics. So this week we're going to do something a little different. Instead of previewing the games last, I'm going to preview the games first, and then we'll recap the games last week. So the Celtics have four games this week. A lot, so we'll have a lot to talk about in episode 24. they got two road games, two home games, one back-to-back. First off, tonight, it is Monday, January 7th, 7.30, against the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are currently the 7th seed in the Eastern Conference. And they actually played Chicago last night in Chicago. They beat them. But the the Brooklyn Nets are the 7th seed in the East. This is not a team to sleep on. This team is very good. They have great wins. They've beat the 76ers twice. That's a tough team. The Denver Nuggets, who currently have the best record in the Western Conference, either the first or second best record. And then they've also beaten the Raptors, too. That's pretty legit to beat the, you know those teams. They have DeAndre. D'Angelo Russell, he can score. He's a good point guard. He'll probably give Kyrie a a tough time, but most likely Marcus Smart will probably cover him. Spencer Dwindle, he's really good. He can score the ball very, very well. He's a hell of a player. I really like watching him. Joe Harris, the kid from Michigan State, he's been on a few teams. I think this is his probably fourth team that he's been on. He's shooting over 50% from three this year. So if Jason Tatum's guarding him and Jason Tatum doesn't put his hand up like I complained when he was guarding Devin Booker or TJ Warren or... Josh Jackson over the Suns game that I bitched and moaned about a couple weeks ago, or bantered about, if you will. He better put his hand up playing on defense. And this is actually, what's kind of weird about this, this is actually the first time the 76ers and the Celtics have played each other. Which is kind of weird, because if you think about it, the NBA season's been going on for like, let's say two and a half months. You know, half of October, November, December. This is the first time the Celtics are actually playing the nets and they're in the same division you know the Celtics have played the Raptors twice they've played the 76ers twice this is actually the first time they're playing the 70 uh, the Brooklyn Nets that's very weird you really don't see that a lot it it is going to be a tough game it, this is not this is not your average Brooklyn Nets team this is going to be a tough game Kyrie and Marcus Morris should be back according to a report yesterday Brad said that Kyrie and Marcus Morris were full participants, so they should be playing in this game. So that's obviously a help, even though the Celtics have looked pretty well without the both of them. And we'll get into that in a bit. Don't worry. And then it's actually kind of cool because even though we say, hey, this is the first time they're playing each other, next Monday, January 14th at 730, they'll be in Brooklyn playing the Nets. So they'll be catching up. And then I think if I remember correctly, on January 28th at 7.30, they're also playing the Nets. So they're literally playing the Nets three times this month, and even though they haven't played them f- once in the first two and a half months of the season. So that's pretty crazy. But let's focus Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers are playing some legitimate basketball. They are 16-2 and since December 4th. They're currently playing the Raptors right now, and... By the time I record this podcast, even though, you know, I'm saying like, oh, today's Monday. I really record this on Sunday. So as of right now, they're losing at halftime to the Raptors. They're on the road. So, but let's be serious. Even if they lose this game, let's say they lose this game. They are 16-3 and since December 4th. And if they win, 17-2 and since December 4th. I, from the first podcast I've told everyone all year... I do not want to play the Indiana Pacers in a playoff series. I don't even want to play this team on January 9th. I, do I think we could beat this team in a playoff series? Sure. But I guarantee you it will be more stressful than that Bucks series was. And that series was seven games last year. So absolutely crazy. The The Pacers, they've beaten the Raptors, the Bucks, the 76ers, all the teams in the mix. So they have beaten the top four teams in the Eastern Conference, or three out of the top four teams because they're one of them just like the Celtics have. This is a legitimate basketball team. Really, really good. But they do have some games, uh, some wins in this, let's say, 20-game stretch, if you will. You know, they're 16-2, and two, not including the Raptors game tonight. But they've beaten the, the Knicks, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Wizards. They've beaten each of those teams twice. Now, the Celtics have lost to the Knicks. So, you know, I'm not saying it's... They're terrible, but the Knicks are not a good basketball team. The Cavs are not good either. The Hawks are not good. The Wizards, John Wall's out for the rest of the year. So that's really not an impressive win in any way, shape, or form. But the other night, not last night, but previously, they played the Bulls, and Oladipo dropped 36 points. If you guys remember earlier in the year, they only lost to the Pacers by one point. Victor Oladipo hit that insane shot, probably about five feet behind the three-point line. The Celtics have a chance to beat this team, and I fully believe the Celtics weren't completely healthy that game. I don't know if they were hospital Celtics, but they weren't playing their best basketball, and obviously the Celtics are getting better and better every single day. So I'm not saying this is going to be like a blowout by any means. I, I think the Celtics have a legitimate shot at winning this game, but you got Sabonis, the kid off the bench. He was He's so good. I can't believe the Thunder traded him. I really don't, but they did, and that's what it is. Miles Turner actually broke his nose on January 2nd or January 3rd? I forget. And Miles Turner is a legit athletic big man that Al Horford might have a hard time with. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if you see Marcus Morris or Jason Tatum on him at times. But Miles Turner is wearing a mask, and that can affect players, especially down in the post. So if he's not afraid to get hit in the mask, then, you know, if he's the same player that he always is, that's that's going to be a problem for the Celtics. It, I, I think the Pacers are playing super hot, but... Are they peaking too soon? I mean, it is only, decent, you know, they had this hell of a run in December. Are they peaking too soon? Like, is this the best that we'll we'll see them? Who knows? But Wednesday night at the Garden, 7 o'clock, Pacers game. Should be a great game. The next night, Thursday, January 10th, 7 o'clock, Celtics fly down to Miami. And the Miami Heat have been playing some good basketball of late. They're 8-2 and in their last 10 games. They're currently the sixth seed. They're only three and a half games back of the Celtics they're they're creeping up because uh, i would say 2 weeks ago maybe 3 weeks ago they were like the 10th seed they they weren't that great at all they've beaten the Bucs and the rockets in back to back games a couple days before christmas Celtics have lost to the rockets Celtics have lost to the bucks so again this is a legitimately legitimately good team and it's and it's pretty crazy because justice winslow i'm a duke guy you guys know that justice winslow was a small forward when Duke won the national championship a few years ago when Tyus Jones and Jahil Okafor, all those freshmen beat Wisconsin, Frank Kaminsky, that whole team in the national championship game. And Justice Winslow was like the small forward. He was, you know, he was your Marcus Smart. He was a guy who couldn't shoot the ball for crap and was an animal defensively. He is now the point guard for the Miami Heat. I don't want to say he's like the number one point guard, but he's bringing the ball up to court for this team. And it's and it's pretty crazy because, you know, you you think of someone like, Gordon Drogic, who, or is it Gordon Drogic or Gr- whatever, he's hurt, and he's an all-star point guard, and you figure after that, they're toast, see you later, thanks for coming out, but they've been pretty, they've been playing pretty well without him, they really have, and Whiteside seems to be back to his old self, you know, he's gotten double-doubles in four out of his last five games, the Celtics have to keep control him on the boards, you know, like like I've been preaching. Team rebounding with the Celtics team, and they win basketball games. They really, really do. They're great. And what's crazy about the Miami Heat, they actually have a better record on the road than they do at home. And like the Brooklyn Nets, we're going to be playing the Miami Heat in a couple of weeks, January 21st, 6 o'clock, TD Garden. Yes, a Monday night game at 6 o'clock. Kind of weird. But this team is better on the road at home. You don't hear that a lot in sports, especially in the NBA. Usually, you know. If you were to look at all the teams in the NBA right now, you would say a majority of them, if not all of them, have a better record at home than they do on the road. So that's crazy to see. One thing I do have to talk about, Dwayne Wade. He's playing his final year. I love Dwayne Wade. I've always respected him. Obviously, I hated him during the time where it was Chris Bosh and LeBron James. And, you know, that was your responsibility as a Celtics fan. But, you know, I, I hate to do this to my buddy Dave, but what he did against... The Mavs in the NBA Finals many, many years ago was unbelievable. It was basically him. It was a one-man show. He was absolutely unbelievable. And D-Wade has actually gotten so many All-Star votes where if the All-Star voting ended right now, he would be your starting two-guard for the NBA All-Star game. I don't like the way that All-Star game voting works because I feel like fans can just kind of hack their way into it and get whoever they want. Like, for example, like, Derrick Rose would be starting the game in the Western Conference, and well, let's be honest, it's great to see Derrick Rose back to his normal self. Obviously, he dropped that 50-point game early in, earlier in the year, which was really cool, but if D. Wade wants to be on the All-Star team, I think the NBA should make an exception, and the same with Dirk Nowitzki, who we'll talk about in a bit. I think those two guys deserve to be on the All-Star team. If, if, if this is Dirk's final year, which I fully believe that it's going to be, and we all know that this is going to be Dwayne Wade's final year, this should be... The last time both of them are in the All-Star Game, the NBA should make an exception and expand the roster so both of them can be on the team. I really and truly think that. And I think that'd be really cool if they actually did that. And I, and I hope that they do. But Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose should not be starting in the All-Star Games just because people are old school and they like throwback, you know, back athletes. I get it. But it's it's just dumb and it kind of ruins the buzz. Of the All Star Game, All right. And then the final game of the weekend, Saturday night, seven o'clock in Orlando, they're playing the Orlando magic. And if you guys remember earlier this, this year, I think it was like the second home game, second or third home game of the season for the Celtics. They weren't embarrassed by the magic. Like they only lost by three, but if you were to watch that entire game, like without looking at the numbers, you were like, wow, the Celtics sucked that night. And they really did. They got outworked. The magic have a lot of athletic big men and I've, Preach it so many times, and I'm sorry if I sound repetitive. Celtics suck against athletic big men; they really do. Horford can't keep up with them. Sometimes they're too big for Morris or Tatum to to defend, and it's very very annoying. Kyrie, if you guys remember, like when Kyrie like cut his hair, like the Celtics became good again. So Kyrie still had his like little fro with that weird head, like it was a headband, but it like wasn't a headband. And he went 10 of 19 from the field. So you're like, hey, that's pretty good. That's above 50 cent for above 50 cent above 50 percent for Kyrie but he had four turnovers he was so sloppy in that game he was terrible Tatum three for 12 Jalen Brown two for nine and at the time that was your starting lineup you know you still had Kyrie and Gordon and Jalen Kyrie Gordon Jalen Tatum and Horford all starting so when you have two of your starters shooting a combined five of 21 you're not going to win a lot of games and the other thing that was super frustrating is Evan Fournier He's a, he's a reasonable NBA player. Like If he was on the Celtics, I wouldn't be upset about it. DJ Augustine, solid veteran. I feel like a lot of playoff teams who need a backup point guard would really like to have him on the team. They both had double-doubles, and you're like, oh, double-doubles, Like what do they have? Some extra rebounds, some extra assists? Actually, both of them had 10 assists each. So between the two of them, they had 20 assists. That's not good. <laughs> that, that's terrible. That shows how bad the Celtics were that game. So right now the the magic at the time they were playing some pretty good basketball but now they're 17 and 21 and like the heat they have a losing record at home it's so confusing but this team needs to keep just like Miles Turner or Whiteside they need to keep Vucevic off the boards he had a great game. I think he had like 17 and 12 or 12 and 17. It was one of those two. He had 17 points, 12 rebounds or 12 rebounds, 17 boards. So it was something like that when they played earlier in the season. And they just got to keep him off the boards. And then you also got to keep Fournier Terrence Ross and Jonathan Simmons, those guys can't get hot from three because those guys are streaky shooters. So if they miss a couple in a row, keep getting, it, keep putting your hands in their face and they're going to miss all night and that will make an easy game and hopefully an easy W for the Celtics. So that is currently the state of the Boston Celtics and what they got coming up this week. And before we recap uh, the games that happened last week, the Spurs games, Timberwolves, and Mavericks, I just want to talk about the all-star voting again with D-Wade. So the first batch of All-Star voting came out. You guys can vote right now. Vote for all the Celtics players, NBA.com, and you actually you can actually see that there are a couple dates where votes count double, and it's really cool. So January 3rd and January 4th last week, both of those days counted doubles, and there's a couple more games coming up where your vote will count double. You can log on to NBA.com, and there's a couple other places you can go to, but go to Celtics.com, and they have all the information right there. But it's pretty cool. Right now, Kyrie... Leads all of the guards, not only in the Eastern Conference, but even more than Steph Curry, James Harden, all the guys in the Western Conference. He has 910,000 votes, so almost a million votes for Kyrie. So Kyrie will definitely be a starter for the All-Star Game, unless someone, can, someone from Russia can hack into the system or something, you know? But it's kind of weird and kind of crazy. The Celtics have been pushing for Jason Tatum and Marcus Morris, as they should, because You could debate that Marcus Morris is the best or the second best player for the Celtics this year, whether it's Kyrie's number one, Morris is number two, Tatum's number three, or Morris is number one, Tatum's two, Kyrie's three, however you want to look at it. And Jason Tatum has more votes than Marcus Morris. That's fine. I think Tatum has like 214,000, which is top five, but only two guards and three big men can get voted in. And then the rest is the coach's decision. But Gordon Hayward and Al Horford have more votes than Jason, I mean, than Marcus Morris. What? Like, Celtics fans, what are you doing? Gordon Hayward is, I'm a big supporter of Gordon Hayward. Um, maybe I have a little too much faith in him, that he's going to come back to his normal ways. I'm always a big, big believer of Al Horford. I believe Al Horford's good. But why are you voting for them? They're not all-stars. Al Horford's been an all-star his entire career. Gordon Hayward has been an all-star the last few years before his ankle injury. But vote for Marcus Morris. That dude deserves to make the all-star team this year. Gordon Hayward and Al Horford aren't the reason why the Celtics have 20-plus wins. Marcus Morris. Like, seriously. Seriously. Gordon Hayward's had some great games. Al Horford's the reason why they won the Grizzlies game. Sure, we can go on and on about how individually they've helped the Celtics win. But every single night that Marcus Morris has played, maybe minus one or two games, Marcus Morris is arguably the reason why the Celtics win. He's so consistent. He literally might shoot 50, 40, 90. Not a lot of players do that. What that means is 50% from the field or better, 40% from three or better, in 90% from the three-throw line or better. That's legit. There's not a lot of people that have that statistic under their belt. So vote for Marcus Morris, will ya? Thanks. Appreciate it. Okay, that was a nice little rant, wasn't it? Alright, let's recap the Spurs, T-Wolves, and Mavs game from this past week. The Celtics went 2-1 and one last week. And a really tough, embarrassing loss against the San Antonio Spurs in San Antonio. And let's be serious. San Antonio... That's a tough place to play. They have great fans there. It's an, the Celtics never perform well there, whether it was Doc coaching the team, Elmo Carr, Rick Patino, Jim O'Brien, you name it. They haven't been that great down there in any way, shape, or form. And one of the reasons why the Celtics lost this game, if not the reason why this... Wow. That wind is legit outside. Holy guacamole. All right. One of the reasons why the Celtics lost this game, if not the reason why the Celtics lost this game. The San Antonio Spurs scored 46 points in the third quarter. 46. So if you guys want to do some real simple math, 12 times 4 is 48. That means, on average, about the Spurs scored 4 points a minute. One point every 15 seconds. That is horse malarkey. Terrible crap on crap on crap. 46 points in a quarter. The Spurs only scored 46 points in the first half. I'm not even kidding you folks. That's how weird numbers are in sports sometimes. In 24 minutes of basketball, the San Antonio Spurs in this game, the first quarter, second quarter, 12 minutes each, 46 points. They come out of halftime and score 46 and 12 that is crap. Are you like they went 19 of 25 from the field. You have to be kidding me. You have to be kidding me. And if you take away the third quarter, I know this is going to sound dumb, but if you take away the first quarter, I mean the third quarter. Celtics won the first quarter 23 to 17. The Celtics and the Spurs tied 29-29 in the second quarter. And then in the fourth, the Celtics won 29 to 28. So literally they were playing they were 7 points better than the Spurs. In 36 out of the 48 minutes of the game. So all they had to do was get their shit together in the third quarter. And they would have come away with a great road victory against a great team. But nope. 46 points. 46 points. Unbelievable. And it's not like really anyone played that poorly. Horford and Smart both shot 50% or better from the field. They made more than half of their shots. Tatum went 0 for 5 from 3, but whatever. He still ended up with 12 points. Morris had 18. Kyrie had 8 assists and 16 points. He had to leave during the game because he scratched his cornea. That's why he didn't play against the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Dallas Mavericks last week. The bench guys finally showed up. I mean, Jalen Brown dropped 32 points. How many times can we say that Jalen Brown's going to score 32 points and the Celtics are going to lose? It's going to be very, very rare. Seriously. that Like, what? He made seven out of his eight free throws. That should be a celebration. Jalen Brown made seven out of eight free throws. That should they should have just stopped the game right then and there and said Celtics win. Seriously. But ugh, I mean Terry Rogier even played well. I think Terry Rogier had yeah, wait, looking at it. Yeah, Terry Rogier had 15 points in this game. Now we can say, hey, Gordon Hayward, <laughs> Hayward. Gordon Hayward played like crap over six from the field. Five of those are three-pointers, and it was the first time he was ever scoreless since 2012. March of 2012 was the last time Gordon Hayward played a basketball game in the NBA and was left scoreless. Absolutely unbelievable. It really is like, it's crazy. 46 points in the third quarter. So you, you would think the Celtics learned that lesson, right? You would think, hey, we have to come out at halftime better. We have to come out stronger. We have to play with more effort. Let's go. And then they play the Minnesota Timberwolves to start off the new year. January 2nd, they beat the Timberwolves 115-102. to And the game was majority a a blowout, especially in the first half. And then guess what happens? The Minnesota Timberwolves, who literally just fired their coach last night, Tom Thibodeau, their president and coach, fired. See you later. Thanks, Tibbs. Thanks for nothing. You basically made Jimmy Butler go there. Crap, you made Derrick Rose come back. Cool, not that big of a deal. And then the Celtics score, 39, I mean the Minnesota Timberwolves score, 39 points in the third quarter. So literally, Spurs game, Timberwolves game, 85 points in 24 minutes they gave up. Are you, like what? This team has to get their act together. Defensively. They're known for their defense. That what happened in those two games, in those two quarters, cannot happen anymore. It can't. Like, I should be like, hey, you know, they played really well the last couple games. You should be happy about it. They, they're they playing a lot this time. Great. Cool. You cannot give up 85 points in two quarters. Like, last year there were times where, like, the Celtics only gave up 90 points in, like, a whole game. That's four quarters. Like, they... Everything has to change. And sure... I understand Aaron Baines is very important defensively to this team. I get it. It's cute. I get it. But forty six points, thirty nine points in one quarter is unacceptable. Unacceptable. And sure, we could you know you could be like, well, hey, Marcus Smart got hurt a little bit, he looks like he separated his shoulder. Okay, great, but he came back out on the floor. And if everyone's hyping up Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown so much, then they should be able to get their act together and make sure that scoring 39 points, especially against the Minnesota Timberwolves, shouldn't happen. And sure, Marcus Morris got hurt too. I understand that. I I hear everyone chirping, but Marcus Morris didn't get hurt until the fourth quarter and he got a stinger. Yes, I understand he missed missed the last couple games, but like I mentioned earlier, he should be playing tonight against the Nets and then the rest of the week, but we'll see. But the positives about this game is Terry Rogier started for Kyrie Irving. And I think we can all agree that Terry Rogier plays better when he knows he's going to play more, right? Terry Rogier, when he only plays 20 minutes a game, he's okay. Terry Rogier, when he plays 27 minutes a game, he's really good. Like anyone would be. An extra seven minutes for Terry Rogier, I feel like we would all agree is a good thing. Seven minutes less for Kyrie Irving, I think we would all agree is a bad thing. So that's why I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, Terry Rogier, the mentality that he has to have is he has to treat every single game like he's starting. He really and truly does. I don't know if we need to, like, stop the game. Brad needs to stop the game, and then we redo the introduction so he can hear his voice, and maybe you can do some secret handshakes with everyone that all the players do. If that's what we got to do, then Brad call the timeout, bud. Seriously, call the timeout and make it happen. He scored 16 points overall in the game. 11 out of the 16 were in the first half. He came out firing. He's one of the many reasons why the Timberwolves were so... I mean, I think... Hold on. Let me let me just double-check here to see how much the Celtics were up at halftime because I fully believe it was a boatload. Come on, Internet. Move along here. Yeah, the Celtics were up 18 points. 18 points. And Terry Rozier was a huge part of that. He also had five steals in this game. He played a great, great game. No doubt about it. Also... What's crazy about this game is the Celtics had 34 total assists. Obviously, sure, you can say that Kyrie sometimes has some glue on his hands. You know, maybe he's trying to do too much. Maybe he's trying to save the game, save the team. And maybe that is one of the reasons why the Celtics offense isn't flowing as good as it should be. And I get that. and That's cute and all. Marcus Smart had eight assists. That's... Grab somebody sexy. Tell them, hey... But let's be realistic here. Kyrie Irving, in the last three games that he has played, two of those games, he has had double digit assists. Kyrie Irving leads this team in assists 225 assists. The next closest person is Marcus Smart at 156. So it's literally almost a 75 assists difference. So don't give me the crap that the Celtics play better, the ball moves better with Kyrie around. Sure maybe at times i get it but not for a full 48 minutes absolutely not the celtics are 9 and 6 when kyrie has seven assists or more 9 and 6 that's a winning record as far as i know is it is it great no but i'd rather have it 9 and 6 than 6 and 9 right so would you rather have kyrie irving on this team or 34 assists tonight I guess that's the debate that you have because they could have 34 assists in Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs. They still lost because they didn't have anyone that could score the ball at the end of the game. So I believe Kyrie's here for the playoffs. We need a clutch scorer, clutch performer. Hopefully he stays healthy enough to make that happen. If he's not, someone needs to step up. And if the ball movement is the person or the thing that needs to step up, great. But they're not getting 34 assists every night. They're really not. And what's crazy is, This is actually the third most assists that the Celtics have gotten this season. Yeah, and the other two games, Kyrie played in. So pump the brakes a little bit. More assists, less Kyrie. Pump the brakes. I get it. It's a steaming hot take. I appreciate it. I think it's cute and adorable, but that's that. Now, let's focus on what was important in this basketball game. Gordon Hayward. 35 points from Gordon Hayward. Holy guacamole. So he scored zero on New Year's Eve day. A couple days later, he comes back 35 points. In the last two games against Minnesota, 61 minutes, 65 points, 10 boards, 13 dimes, 22 out of 34 from the field. Kind of wish we were in the Western Conference, don't you? I think I think that would be great if we were in the Western Conference and we played the Minnesota Timberwolves great. Tim, You know, everyone wouldn't be bashing Gordon Hayward so much. And then, Everyone was so pumped that Jalen Brown played so well against San Antonio. I was his too. He, I've been bashing Jalen Brown because I know he's a good basketball player, but he's not showing it. So if he doesn't want to show it, see you later. But I, he can't show up one night, drop 32, and then a couple days later only score 10 points. Both of them need to play better together. Both of them need to show up more together. Both of them need to be consistent more together. Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward, if both of those dudes can score 15 to 16 points a night, this team would be unstoppable. But you can't ask for 35 from Gordon and then 10 from Jalen or the night bo- or the game before, 32 or 30 from Jalen and 0 from Gordon. It doesn't work out that way. It really doesn't. Both of them need to be more consistent and things will be great. And that is what happened when we played the Dallas Mavericks the other night. Celtics beat the Mavericks 114-93. Absolutely great atmosphere. Let's just talk about the Mavs real quick. First off, Dirk Nowitzki, all he needed was one basket, and he would have passed Kobe Bryant for the most points scored by a Western Conference player against the Boston Celtics. How cool is that? So as much as those people were really cheering for Dirk and thanking him for a A great NBA career because that's the last time we're going to see the Mavericks because the Mavericks only come once a year because they're in the Western Conference. Dirk has done some amazing things in the NBA. The All Star, the NBA Finals performance that he put up when they beat the when they beat the Heat. Holy crap, that was absolutely incredible! Shout out to my buddy Dave. Dirk deserved every single round of applause, cheer that he got at the end of the game. I'm glad the Celtics wanted him to score. I have no issue with that. I'm glad Yabo realized it and Brad Wanamaker realized it. I'm bummed he went 0-10 from the field, which I believe is the first time in his NBA career he didn't hit a, f- a field goal. The first time in his NBA career, the one where we want him to pass Kobe Bryant, Because we don't want Kobe Bryant, a Laker, in any form of record book against the Boston Celtics. I'm sure he has some. He couldn't score. Absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Luka Doncic, the rookie from the Dallas Mavericks. I love watching that kid play. He's an amazing athlete, even though it looks like he's moving in slow motion. He's so great. I loved watching him. But the thing that stuck out to me in this game, minus Gordon Hayward, which we'll get to, is guess what the Celtics did in the third quarter in this game. Go ahead. Guess. And if your guess is, oh, they allowed 30 points. Eh, wrong. They only allowed 17 points. The Dallas Mavericks only scored 17 points in the third quarter. Holy crap. Usually I'm complaining about the second quarter because the Celtics, ever since Brad Stevens has joined this team and started coaching this team, they suck in the second quarter. And now they're sucking in the third quarter. I can't handle that. So it was nice to see a good third quarter from the Boston Celtics, especially after the crap performances versus the Spurs and the Timberwolves. Crazy, right? So again, Terry started for, for Kyrie. Jalen started for Marcus Morris because Marcus Morris was out with his little stinger. Terry had a rough night shooting the ball. He was 2, for, two of 9 from the field, but he had 7 assists and, most importantly, 0 turnovers. You guys know what zero turnovers does to me. When Marcus Smart does it, praise Lord Jesus. But Terry Rozier, zero assist, I love it. I absolutely love it. Jalen Brown, guess what? Led the team in scoring. He had 21. So he has led the team in scoring for two out of the last three games. That's great. Love it. Need it. Want it. But it needs to happen consistently. Like, he can't do the Spurs well. He can't crap his pants against the Timberwolves. Play well against the Mavericks, and then tonight against the Nets, poop his pants. He can't do that. He needs to have another good game because if he's more consistent, he will get confidence, and the team will be better. It really would. Speaking of confidence, Brad Wanamaker, what a great game. Came off the bench, hit two threes right in a row. The Mavericks kind of cut the lead down a little bit. The Celtics had a big double-digit lead. Mavericks cut it down to single digits. Brad Wanamaker came in, you know, kind of Shane Larkin 2.0 to fill in for Terry since, you know, Kyrie was out for that game, boom. Great game for him, and I think he can be really important late in the season. If Kyrie needs some rest or if Terry needs some rest, this guy can come in. This guy can run an NBA offense. He can hit a wide-open three-pointer. He can make pretty good decisions. So Brad Wanamaker getting more minutes and maybe getting more comfortable because this is really the first time he's ever played in the NBA is going to be huge, huge, huge. For the Celtics team also the also what was really impressive two other players Daniel Tice Daniel Tice in December sucked he was not good sure he had that really good game against the Bulls and then after that he just he was not good at all he was terrible but he did get 13 boards in this game only two points but I don't care Daniel Tice doesn't need to score for this team to be good Daniel Tice needs to rebound and defend but when DeAndre Jordan was on the floor Boy, oh boy, did Daniel Dice get bullied around. That kid could not survive 30 seconds in a boxing ring with DeAndre Jordan. No shot. He was using him and abusing him, but it was very good. And finally, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's confidence this year shooting the ball has kind of made me feel uncomfortable because... My confidence for Marcus Smart shooting the ball has kind of grown, too. And I've always been the guy, whenever Marcus Smart shoots it, even if he's wide open and the only guy on the court, I'm like, no, don't do it. But he was 5-for-8-for-3 in this game. And his confidence has been great. He's been shooting the ball very well. So keep doing you, boo-boo. Keep shooting that three-pointer. Keep shooting that three-pointer. All right. You guys ready for a little rant? I know I am. Here we go. Hit the music. And now it is is time. time. For the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. The stud is Gordon Hayward. I know people are probably eye rolling. Oh, it should have been Jalen. That's great. Jalen give me 2 games in a row where he scores more than 15 points and more than 75% from the 3-throw line. He'll be my stud again. But until then, Gordon Hayward this week. Gordon Hayward dropped 35 points against the Timberwolves. Then he had 16 points, 11 boards, and 8 assists against Dallas Mavericks on Friday night. He was 2 assists away from the triple-double. 2 assists And because of that, our dud this week, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens took Gordon Hayward out of this game when the Celtics were up 18 with 8 minutes to go. Why? Gordon Hayward is like your son. Your like oldest son. For all I know, you probably met him. I don't know how old Brad Stevens' son is, but let's say he's 10. Hell, let's say he's 12. You have known Gordon Hayward... Longer than your own son, Brad Stevens. And you're not going to give him an opportunity to go out and get his first career triple-double after that ankle surgery and that ankle injury that he had. Shame on you. I'm never mad at Brad Stevens. I was booing Brad Stevens the other night. That was unbelievable. How could you not let some kid who whose life was flipped upside down with that ankle injury not go out and get his first career triple-double when the team's up 18 with 8 minutes to go? Crap. That was absolutely unbelievable because after that happened, you know, the bench guys, the G League guys came in and guess what? The Mavs came back and kind of cut the lead short a little bit and Brad brought Gordon back in. So I was like, sweet, he's coming back. And then after that, every single person that touched the ball that got a pass from Gordon Hayward should have shot the ball. Get an inbound pass on the opposite end of the court from Gordon Hayward, shoot it. Let him get his first triple-double. Can you imagine the confidence of your Gordon Hayward to score 35 points one night and then the next night you have a triple-double? Huh. You kidding me? But Brad's like, nah, they're up 18. We'll rest them. What? He's coming off the bench. He doesn't need to rest Brad Stevens. Shame on you, Brad. Put your best friend, your like first son, if you will, put him back in that basketball game. Let him go get that triple-double. Huh. Absolutely Unbelievable. That really made me angry. I, I honestly think that was like the first time I was legitimately mad at Brad Stevens. <sighs> just It was just two more assists. I'm not asking for six more points. Just one little pass to Marcus Smart in the corner. Hell, one little pass to Daniel Tice. Let Daniel Tice take a three. As long as it goes in, trust me, I would be a lot more mad if he had nine assists and took him out of the game. will tell you that right now. Brad Stevens not letting your BFF get a triple-double. It's absolutely freaking ridiculous really is okay now you guys ready for your mind to be blown here we go banner banter investigation stud and dud of the week coming together let's go we now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special banner banter investigation celtics unit report This week's Banner Banter Investigation is about Todd Day. T-O-D-D space D-A-Y all up in your eye. I'm kidding. Just D-A-Y. Todd Day. And why do you ask? So Gordon Hayward came off the bench against the Timberwolves last week, scored 35 points, which is the second most points off the bench against anyone who has played the Minnesota Timberwolves in the Timberwolves franchise history. Number one, Todd Day. Guess whose birthday it is today? Todd Day. Boom. Let's go. How about that for a little circle of life for your banner banter investigation? Gordon passes Danny Ainge at 34 points for the second most points scored against Timberwolves for someone coming off the bench at 35. Todd Day drops 41. He's the leader. Today is Todd Day's 49th birthday. I'm not going to lie, guys. Pretty impressed with myself for figuring that one out. Yeah, I'm smiling right now. Smiling real big. Showing those fake teeth that I got. Mm-mm-mm. That was really, really good on my end. All right, but let's talk about Todd Day. Todd Day was drafted eighth overall by the Milwaukee Bucks in the 1992 NBA draft. He played at the University of Arkansas. So shout out to Drew, Carl, Vicky, John, and Bill Crittenden. Crittenden family loves their Arkansas Razorbacks. So salute and shout out to them. He was a 6'8 shooting guard. The people that were drafted before him in in his draft, pretty good. Shaquille O'Neal, ever heard of him? Alonzo Mourning, Christian Leitner, like pretty legitimate guys. He played in the league from 1992 to 2001, 483 games played. He had about 12 points per game. He was not a very good three-point shooter, but he shot 43% inside the three-point line over his career. He It was kind of crazy, so... When his rookie deal was up, he signed with the Celtics. He played 152 games for them. He averaged 13.3 a game, but he only started 39. So he came off the bench, which is, again, why he dropped 41 against the Timberwolves many, many moons ago. And then when the evil, the evil empire, a.k.a. Rick Patino, if you will, came in, obviously they weren't going to re-sign him. And so they traded Alston Lister and Todd Day for Sherman Douglas, who we did a couple weeks ago. For the Banner Banter investigation, I burped. I really thought I was going to hold out and not burp, but I did it. So yeah, so Sherman Douglas, former Celtics player, former boyfriend of someone on the Housewives show, we remember that Banner Banter investigation, he was traded for Alston Lister and Todd Day. Crazy, right? Absolutely crazy. He then signed with the Miami Heat, then signed with the Phoenix Suns, then played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, so he was kind of bouncing back and forth after he was let go by the Celtics or traded by the Celtics. Currently he is coaching in his third season for Phil Lander Smith college in little rock, Arkansas. And that's basically it on Todd day. But I really thought that the franchise history, most points scored Todd day's birthday. I thought that was really impressive. But anyways, that is it for episode 23 of the banner banter podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your family, friends, relatives, Best friends, worst friends, strangers, tell them all about it. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, and all the other fine podcast applications you can find. Check it out. Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 and on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Hope the Celtics have a great week this week, and I hope you do as well. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Ain't no lie. Bye, 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 bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.